The following episode of TOEFOP is classified M.A. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, sexual references, a sex scene, prison rape, time travel, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. There hasn't been any great advances in prison rape or space travel. <laughs> Hello and welcome to TOEFOP, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. And you have the most disgusting toilet I've ever seen. That not, is horrifying. Not my house toilet. No, not your house toilet. It's your not, office toilet. It's, no, it's not my office toilet. It's the outside back toilet that doesn't ever really get used. It's the pool room. Yeah, toilet, but it's disgusting. And when I say the pool room, not like it doesn't have a billiard table and like, you know, trophies and stuff like that. It's like literally the, the house next to the pool. Yeah, and, it's, and it has all the pool equipment. It has the pump and stuff like that. It's disgusting. Like every time I go in there, I expect to see some like uh, hitchhiker chained to the wall begging for their life. You could actually set a horror movie in it, that It's pool. terrifying. It's, it's like terrifying. Buffalo Bill's well. Yeah. <laughs> Except he would keep it cleaner. <laughs> he would have things stacked in more order. There is gardening equipment. Every time they go in there, some transvestite comes out and asks me to put lotion in a basket. <laughs> it's just best to do it, Charlie. <laughs> she keeps the place clean. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty terrifying. And because out the back of my house too, it's a bit wildlife. Like before, when we were about to record, there was like kookaburras, like yeah. laughing That's in Huntsman. the background. That is Huntsman Central, right? Yeah, it's oh, like, it's, hun- it's the W Hotel for Huntsman, mate. There's so many spiders living out here; it's insane. Like I come out in the Ugh. morning, and like I- I'm an early riser, so I'll get up quite early in the morning, and you know it- it's quite dark, and I'll stumble out here to my office or whatever to you know do some work, and I will walk through so yeah. many spider webs. So every morning, if you, like, in my backyard, you would just see me, like, busting out some Peter Garrett moves, like, in the dark by myself in my pyjamas <laughs> as ma- I walk through cobwebs. Go out with a machete just hacking five feet in front of you. There's nothing worse than working, walking into a spider web. It's like, well, there's heaps of things worse. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Excuse me for my superlative. Imagine, imagine if you were at Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> we know Clawson has the uh, details of where the terrorist plots are going to go off. We've tried waterboarding. He didn't tell us. We've tried electrodes to the nuts. He didn't tell us. Have we got him to walk through a spider web? Bring out the daddy long legs. <laughs> that would get me to talk. I don't know what my pain threshold is because I've never been tested that badly. But if you wanted information from me, walking with a big spider and threatening to put it on my skin. The spider itself or the web? Spider. Spider. Web, I could, I, web, I'd start sweating and my story would start to change a bit. Yeah. Like, oh, I've almost got him. Time yeah, to fucking yeah. ramp it up, put into fifth gear. Yeah, suddenly they'd be like, did you mention Belinda? No, I didn't mention Belinda. <laughs> Ooh, he said Belinda. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, exactly. <laughs> I would say, I don't know where the drugs are, Mr. Smith. I never told you my name. Yeah. yeah. But he never said there was drugs. <laughs> I'm not sure why him knowing your name would be the bit that would give it away. <laughs> All right, I didn't yeah, really... Yeah, you're wearing a badge. Excuse me for it not... says Mr. Smith. Excuse me for not plotting out the 12-story arc of my hypothetical of being in the interrogation room. I'm sorry, Will. I should have... You're right. The characters were woefully underwritten. The plot made no sense at all. I'm, I'm just saying, Charlie. 
that in a scenario like that, what the investigators are looking for is the person to give away a detail of the plot they're being accused of that they haven't revealed to that person. They're not looking for other information. They just didn't think that person would know. In my hypothetical, yeah. the investigating officer, so you're the guy I'm interrogating. Yeah. I'm Detective Smith, right? Okay, yep. So I'm investigating you. Yes. And you know my name. Right. And so like, you're saying that you're Agent Smith and you're investigating Mr. Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Seems God. really familiar to me, Charlie, but anyway, this go on. idea is going to make $400 million worldwide <laughs> and then progressively kind of, less money yeah. with each sequel. And, and really kind of piss all over its legend. <laughs> I'm saying that if in my hypothetical, yeah. I'm interviewing you yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm trying to find... And I'm like, I know nothing, Gov. Yeah, I know nothing. You're saying I've never, be, I've never met you before. I don't know what's going on. I'm no. just a day to day guy. I don't know who you are, Mr. Smith. And I'm like, that's funny. I never told you my name. And then that leads to, right. you know, whatever. It's all about is. you. <laughs> this is how it gets solved. That he knows who you are. He didn't read your badge or somebody else. Said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how'd you know my name? It's um, on your shirt. <laughs> you're interrogating me in a room. Uh, with a little thing on your desk that says, Mr. Smith. Um, I believe when you apprehended me, you showed me your ID. I clearly saw a badge and yeah. your identification, which said, Mr. Smith. Yeah. Uh, your business is called Smith & Sons Detective Agency. And you just introduced me to your wife and you said, this is my wife, Mrs. Smith. <laughs> and then you showed me Smith & Wesson. Yeah. And I'll know that's not related to you, but it's sort of stuck in my brain. <laughs> Meanwhile, my superiors are on the other side of the of the of the mirrored glass, going, "This fucking guy is he actually a detective?" <laughs> you know what? I don't think I actually saw him in the station until about two weeks ago. <laughs> He's wearing black tracksuit pants, a skivvy, and some gum boots. And John Smith sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest. <sighs> what got us under that? Uh, <laughs> no idea. Okay have sent us some questions. This is from a little while ago, but they sent us some questions. I put it out on Twitter and um, uh, people have uh, left us some questions. So I thought I might just ask you some of these questions. You don't know what these questions are, but um, maybe we could talk about them. Uh, Alex Morris asked us, who would win in a fight between Charlie and Will? Do you think you would... If we had to have a fight... Like who would you? Who would? If we win? had no choice but to fight. Yeah. Like I think you would back out of it, not because you're a coward, but you're a you don't believe in violence. I do not. That's true. You would try and negotiate, but if you had no choice, yeah. like to say they were going to hurt a family member or something like yeah. that. You've got me for size. I've got you for speed. Yeah. So uh, who would win? Okay. So say it's like the movie Warrior. Again, I know I've plugged that movie a lot on this podcast, but it's an awesome movie. Check it out. Probably available at your local blockbuster if you can still find one. <laughs> or, you know, you can download it illegally off the internet. I don't know. Just watch it. They've all been paid. So um, uh, it, we're in the movie Warrior, and we, we've in, both ended some tournament. We both have UFC. our own reasons why we really need to win this tournament. Okay. So we have to fight. Okay. And we both understand that we've both ended this tournament, and the rules were that it eventually the two of us might have to... Yeah, fight each other. Who would win that fight? I don't know. I would. I wouldn't. I would put some money on myself. I think that I've got the necessary aggression. I don't mind violence. <laughs> um, but you're fighting too. You've got size, huh. and you're more athletic than me. Yeah. From the well, from your 
junior sports history, which may yep. be fabricated for all I know. That's true. <laughs> but it could have just... It is Mr. Smith. How did you know my name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst interrogator ever. Uh, um, I think, yeah, I think that... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'll, you know, I'm not sure I could say conclusively I would win, but I would back myself to beat you in a fight if I no. had to. And I would use your cockiness against you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most interesting part would be the press conference before our fight. Yeah. It would go on for about an hour and a half. There'd be a lot of talk about Batman and time travel. <laughs> passing, like, passing a joint back and forth yeah. as, the, as the world's media is taking photographs. They're like, the guy's reporting on the press conference. He goes, it started quite aggressively as they talked about the fight. Then about 40 minutes in, they were both doing the Batman voice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I promoted this Don King type guy as like, oh, they're going to throw fists like it's 1966. <laughs> and we're like, would the Green Lantern beat Aquaman in a push-up contest? <laughs> You're going to talk about the fight, boys. Talk yeah. about the fight. But is the push-up contest underwater or on, on oh. land? Because underwater, clearly Aquaman would be good in that situation. But like above ground, I would back probably the Green Lantern. You know what I mean? Like, where is she? <laughs> okay, so you're at the press conference. You take the first question from the media. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Yes, you. Uh, you and Charlie uh, have a long friendship. Uh, you've been associated through various projects. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about having to fight um, someone you know so well? Look, I feel good. I feel confident about it. I feel like I'd, I'd prefer to fight someone I know. Uh, than uh, somebody that I don't know. Um, look, you know, I'd rather tonight, if I am the loser, that a friend of mine be the winner. You know, in some ways, um, you know, we both win tonight, and I hope he keeps that in mind when I kick his ass. <laughs> hope he keeps that in mind when he's in a coma and he has no teeth. You know, the threats don't quite hold as much water when your voice breaks <laughs> at the end of each word. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put your teeth down. <laughs> I'm gonna put my teeth. No, hang on. I'm gonna put someone's teeth down your throat. How long do we have to prepare for the fight? If we're gonna fight each other, is it immediate? Like, do we have to fight now? Like in the shape that we're in, or, or do we get a certain amount of time to prepare? Like, is there like, do we get six weeks or something to get ready what did, for what the did, fight? What did he have in the Karate Kid? I think it was a month. Okay, so we get a month. We get a month. Who do you think that would affect it? Yeah, like who do you it gives think? you plenty of time to pack your bags and leave the country, you pussy? <laughs> I need a passport. You're, you're applying for a US green card. You wait me out a few few months, you'll be fucking gone. Can't I need to change my name? <laughs> I want to call myself John Smith. No, I think um, I think definitely if we had a month. It's definitely an advantage because you have more resources than me. Yeah, you could hire the, you could hire better trainers than me because essentially I have no money to spend on a, a fight trainer. So I'd be training. I'd be like Rocky. Yeah, I'd be out in the snow lifting logs, old school workout. You'd be in the fucking gym with all the Russians and you're yep. running laps around the you know a transparent uh, running track and and I'd have like biometrics and yeah, that's right and people involved and Bridget Nielsen would be there for some reason <laughs> staring at you. Yeah, no, that's I would too, yeah. and I would fucking bring all that shit in. You'd be able to buy like roids and shit like that. Yeah, I, okay. Well, if you were allowed to do whatever, like you know, you were allowed to take it's, steroids it's, if you it's, wanted. It's a hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but you can take as many drugs as you want. Yeah. Okay. Oh, now I'm starting to look forward to this uh, <laughs> this fight. 
I would just take uh, like the the strongest sedative I could and just want to just let you fucking knock me out with the first punch. That way you save face. I get a good night's sleep. Um, Do you think it would affect our relationship? If we had to fight? Yeah. Even if it was under uh, forced circumstances, which whichever one of us won that fight, there'd always be that seed of doubt in your mind that next time we got into some kind of confrontation that you physically... Like, next time we're just... Like, oh, you know, so you're we're saying watching that... the football and you're saying Revolt is fucking... He's overrated. Yeah. But I beat you in the fight and I just lift my hand at you like that and I just see you sort of cower a bit. Oh, so, it'd be, so I'd essentially be like a battered wife at a dinner. And, I'd, well, and I'd, I'd, I'd have a couple of Chardonnays and then I'd be getting a bit lippy and then suddenly you'd like raise the hands. And I'm not saying just you. If you beat me, then it might be the same for me as well. So you're saying even if we were doing the podcast again, so like we've had the fight. Like, cause yeah, because it was four circumstances. Yeah. The, like, you know, we intend to still work together on yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. In fact, if anything, we were going to both spend the you know, the prize money on the podcast. Yeah, right. Because get a good sense. Because what we realised, Charlie, after like years of doing this podcast and no one wanting to sponsor it and no one <laughs> wanting to pay for it and nobody wanting to buy our shit and no one wanting an app... <laughs> We realise that we're losing quite a lot of money doing this podcast, and the only way that we can keep doing this podcast is to go in like a a, 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 a fight to fight, the death fight, competition. Yeah, I can't even think of what it's called. Yeah, underground fighting competition. Yeah, yeah, totally. So we have to go in one of those. Okay, and um, and so we're both essentially raising money for the same reason. Yeah, for the podcast. Yeah, for the podcast. So we're back in. It's first day back in after the fight. Yeah, and like you know, we're doing a podcast probably about the fight we're probably talking about the fight doesn't matter who, who won in this scenario well I mean you know whatever you won okay you can win in the fictional scenario that's right dickhead <laughs> yeah well in the made up one like I mean I'm just giving you this one get your confidence <laughs> we're starting we'll start the mind games already <laughs> I'll, I'll use that against you later don't worry about that yeah, I'll be like Kevin Sheedy yeah. I'll just be like I won't come out and outright say you're yeah. gonna lose but I'll say like you know look I'm sure Will's gonna put up a good fight but um he has a history of non-violence. Yeah. I'm not saying anything, but it's just... Uh, he doesn't really throw punches that much. But, you know, I'm sure he's going to be great. And I'd be more... Like, I'd be building you up. I'd be like... like I am the, I'd be building you up. All right, yeah. Like, I'd be constantly just going, being like, you know what, I am the underdog, and like, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not a violent guy. And Charlie, like, he's an athletic guy. He's younger than I am, you know? Like, he's, you know, he's a guy who's had to fight through all his life, and I think that's going to come in... Yeah, really handy on the weekend. I mean, look, he's the youngest of, you know, nine kids or something. And it's like, you know, that's... He, he's grown up having to fight his way up. I'm the eldest. You know, I've, I've lived an indoor life. My hands are soft and I... You know, look, I'm a vegetarian. You know, he he eats a lot of meat. Like, you know, he's, he probably had a protein shake or something. Like, I... To be honest, last night I had a deep fried toasted cheese sandwich. And... I'm probably going to lose, and he's a champion bloke. And I, I, I you know, look, it'd be a pleasure to be pummeled by him. And I'll be doing a lot of that, building you up. But at the same time, and I'll at be the taking end of the press steroids. conference. Everyone's like, "Kill this fucking wanker!" Would you? But at the same time, as I'm saying that, I would have like a UV drip, like in my ankle, <laughs> that was putting like steroids into my body, so that the next day I would fuck you up, motherfucker. <laughs> I thought you were going to have the drip going into your leg. <laughs> To get the sympathy vote, so you're so pathetic they call the fight off. Well, maybe that's what I do. I come out on like a <laughs> like I'm a hospital patient, and like everyone thinks that I'm like in this horrible state. But the truth is that I'm like 
fucking yeah, right. So you're trying to lull, you're trying to lull me into a false false sense of confidence. I'm doing the rope dope. Okay, but before we get in the ring, okay, I'm roping your dope even before we get in the ring. Okay, but I beat you, and we come. Ooh, I beat you, and we come back to the podcast. Yeah, it's, we sit down, we do a little bullshit. We, how long after the fight is it? I don't know. Like, no, how long does I mean a how, week? How how much have you hurt me? <laughs> Like that's not much. It was a it was a technical knockout. So then I uh, they called the fight off because you couldn't continue. Okay, you're too vulnerable. All right. Yeah. But you just in you, general, you they, were, they were showing this congeniality on one of the big screens. <laughs> I got really upset. The no, that's how I win. I get someone to play scenes in the Notebook. <laughs> oh my god, they were meant to be together. You know what the thing is? Ryan Gosling is a big star now. <laughs> But back when this movie came out, people mocked me for thinking he was an excellent actor. But he is an excellent actor. He has won awards and is beloved. Ding, 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 ding. Technical knockout. <laughs> Technical knockout? Yes, you were pathetic. Yeah. Technically, you were pathetic. Yeah. I actually have to leave the ring because I have my period. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's a week after okay. those events. Yeah. We're back. And um, so I turn up. We set up the gear. We say, look, that was fucked. I'm really sorry about that. I hope uh, it wasn't too humiliating for you. Going back to the dressing room. What do you say? I'll be like, yeah, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. And then I go to bump fists. And I'll be like, Raise my fist above with you, man. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you, man. I'm not going to hurt you. I mean, again, again, I'm not going to hurt you again. You know, it's cool, man. We're cool. We're cool. Okay. We're totally cool. Let's get into the podcast. Okay, so we start doing the podcast. And of course, everyone wants to know about the fight. Yep. And so I say, look, we were forced into the situation because we had to uh, get a new, uh, some new microphones and get the you know site updated and all that kind of stuff. Spend some money on an app that no one wanted, but you know. <laughs> uh, and can I ask you? Yep. When we got in the ring, yep. Did you try and hurt me? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, that was yeah what we were there for. We both agreed before the tournament that if we made it, and we had to fight each other. That we would do our best because that's the only way. Like, if one of us didn't put in, they'd call off the match. We wouldn't get the money. Like, we, that's what we had to but do. But did you hold back? Or are you actually trying to like... Because, you know, when you are trying to knock someone's... Head, you can either try and knock someone's head off or you can just try and knock them down. What were you trying to do? I was just trying to knock you down, man. I wasn't trying to knock your head off. You know what? I've had a lot of success in my life and you've had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Raise my fist again. <laughs> I think we should have a fight. I like this kind of power of you. Anytime you're insulting me, I just raise my fist and you cower. Scream and cower. I, I just can't sleep anymore. I just have nightmares of tiny hands. <laughs> tiny hands being beaten to death by tiny hands. Can I tell you, I was watching, um, oh, this was a couple of months ago now, and uh, it was Golden Globes were on. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was sitting there, and you know when you like the TV's on in the background, and yeah, particularly at an awards night, you might start to do something else because you're kind of just like going to tune back in when like someone you like or you know you know an award you like or whatever is is on and 
there were some foreign people talking about foreign things and I wasn't very interested in that. So I started flipping around in some magazine or some book or something. And then I've looked up and I saw you, Charlie. I saw you accepting a trophy at the Golden Globes Award. And it was a, an actor who won a Golden Globe and he honestly looked like you. Do you want to guess who this actor might have been? Now you've been serious, he looked like me or he was like something insulting about this because he has tiny hands or little ears or... You know. Oh, no. Like he... Ah, Peter Dinklage. <laughs> I knew it was a joke. I thought it was, it was either, a joke. either going to be the handsome French guy uh, from The Artist or Dude, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage looks like Mini You. Like, have you seen his hair and his beard and everything? Like, we should take a photo of you and then we'll put a photo of Peter Dinklage yeah, you know at the Golden Globes. And it looks like... Me. Like, a if you were Austin Powers and you had, like, a Mini Charlie, Peter Dinklage would be the perfect person to be Mini Charlie. All right. You have got the Dinklage look going on at the moment. It's like, yeah, somebody... You're a shrinky dink. Like, no, he's, he's a shrinky, shrinky dink. dink. Sorry. No offence to Peter Dinklage, who's a much finer actor than Charlie. Yeah. And much more awarded. Yeah. But but shorter. Yeah. You take him in a fight. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm if the... you and Dinklage, if you had to fight a mini version of yourself... I don't know. Oh, do you think he's too tenacious? Yeah, I don't know, like a little pit bull. Jack Russell. i got a Jack Russell. Yeah. They're small, but they're, they're, they're aggressive fighters. Yeah, it's true. And Dinklage has got some moves, I imagine. He's done... I've never seen him do anything that I haven't been impressed by. He's like an awesome he's actor. He's a great actor. Have you seen um, one of my favourite films? Actually, you know what? If you want to impress kind of film fucking dudes, if you you say you like In Bruges, oh, I, I, you know what? I don't want to impress film dudes, but I did like that movie. It's a great I'm film. Up. It's a great film. It's a great film, but he is awesome in it. And the, one of the best... Colin Farrell, like, he got written off, I think, at a certain stage where people were like, oh, you know, he was flushing the pan or whatever. He's a really fucking good actor, man. And in that film, he is hilarious, but not in kind of like, oh, now I'm going to do my Farrelly brothers, you know, uh, like when Matt Damon did uh, Stuck Stuck on You. He's he's funny, but playing a character, like it's an actual character. Our friends at the Fabulous uh, Podcast, uh, Walking the Room... Uh, and you should listen to that. If you've never listened to Walking the Room, it's it, it's absolutely awesome. And, if you uh, like battery acid poured in your ear holes, yeah, listen to Walking the Room. It is just like it, it's like nothing I've ever heard in my life. But they they were talking about Colin <laughs> Farrell, and they were saying that thing of like, yeah, for a while he tried to be serious, and people thought he was like this serious actor. But you know what Colin Farrell is? He is just fucking hilarious. Yeah, like when he does comedy, he does comedy so well, and he can do really broad comedy. He can do that sort of. You know, like, I didn't think it was a great movie, but um, the Horrible Bosses movie, like, he's still really funny in that film. Mm. Like, he can do comedy, whether it be subtle comedy or, like, really big characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's he's got a lot of range when it comes to comedy. Is it Fright Night or whatever that horror film? Like, he's he's a funny guy. I haven't seen that, but I hear he's really good in it. And you would have loved it because fucking Doctor Who's in it. (laughs) Is that why you saw it? You know what? You Whovian. I've had this thing recently where... Because I hate the animation like in Tintin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I hate it. Motion like, capture. It just makes me like feel really uneasy about a lot of things. Uncanny Valley, dude. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, on another podcast that we both love, Smodcast, they talked all about that. And um, But I, I get really freaked out by it. But Edgar Wright it was involved with that script, who I think is fabulous. And Stephen Moffat, who writes Doctor Who, like, yeah, wrote the script as Did well. It? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I thought it was Edgar Wright and that guy from Attack the Block, Joe Cornish. Yeah, the, the three of oh, them. Oh, the three of them. Yeah. So, um, 
<laughs> the like, triumvirate of English nerds. And it's just like they're all really talented guys and always do really interesting things. And I like, I'm like, I'd like, I'd like to watch Tintin if I didn't have to look at it. <laughs> you know, I never really liked Tintin. There's a lot of people telling me at the time I should go see it, but I was just like, ah. I mean, it's not the animation so much, but I was, I was always more an Asterix dude. But why did you have to be one or the other? You don't, but it's kind of like Elvis and the Beatles, Marvel, DC. You know, you just, you, you, you read both, but you like one more. I'm going to only read two hardcover comic novel well, the, collections. Well, name some others I could have read. No, but that's what I mean. Like, there's only two. Yeah. You'd think if you liked one, you would also like the other one. Like, because there's no others in the world. What did you like more? Asterix. Because it's more, more comedy. Asterix is more comedy. Yeah, it's hilarious. Tintin got very involved in... I just don't know. Something about... There's a character in Asterix called Getafix. Yeah, this is an interesting thing. And we may have to Google it so it's not a TOEFOP fact. But I started getting back into Asterix. There's a website you can go to where they're all online. You can read them. And I think it's only in the English translations that the names of the Gauls are puns. So the chief is Chief Vital Statistics. The Fishmonger is Unhygienics. The uh, Bard is Coconifix. Uh, the druids get a fix, but I think that that was a that was an English invention because I think the French names are just literally the names. Which, if that's true, that's fucking awesome, right? Are you googling? Yeah, I'm googling. Okay, we're gonna play some elevated music. <laughs> okay, so we're back. Um, so Asterix. Uh, and this is just from Wikipedia, uh, Asterix or the Adventures of Asterix um, is a series of French comic books written by René Goscinny, Goscinny yeah. and Udizo and Albert Udizo. Udizo also took over the job of writing the series after the death of Goscinny in 1977. All right, so Udizo's just gone... This is all I got. I don't care that fucking... Adazo's all alone. Yeah, I don't care that Goskin is gone. He's gone. He's old fucking news, right? Adazo, Adazo alone. <laughs> is that what he yelled? When he found out his friend had died, he's like, Adazo, Adazo alone. Look, it's it's not here on Wikipedia, but it could be true, Charlie. I'm not sure. Uh, the first series appeared in French uh, magazine, uh, uh, Pilot or Pilot. On October 29, 1959. And as of 2009, 34 comic books in the series have been released. Is there like a... You got back into it. Is there the kind of like an arc? Does it kind of... Is there a story that kind of... Or is it just, you know, standalone adventures? I think it's running jokes. I mean, I haven't got back into it in... I don't know if there's been any new issues. The last one when I was a kid was, I think, book 24, which was Asterix and Sun. I think it was book 24. Asterix and Sun was the last one I read in the series that was that was all you could get when I was a kid yeah. but there was no arc and there was no long term growth for any of the characters it was like a sitcom each episode you presented with like a series and the, depending on the personalities that affects the outcome and then those personalities wouldn't change too much alright okay there'd be some episodes where say you know like one character who was very vain got very humble but then I'd go back to being vain by the end but like yeah there's not an episode like where Asterix suddenly is taking too much magic potion like, he's going home, he's bashing his missus, like, there's a lot of problems, he's got to start going in some meetings, you know, no, there's none of that. No, sort of Mike Lee never wrote an issue of Asterix. Uh, the series follows the exploits of a village of indomitable Gauls, 
as they resist Roman occupation. So essentially it was 300. Yeah. Uh, they do so by means of a magic potion. This is Asterix. <laughs> so they're essentially taking drugs. Yeah. They're taking drugs. What, what the message of the Asterix comics to any kids was... Uh, if you want to beat someone who's stronger than you, you'll probably have to take drugs. Ben Cousins loved Asterix. The protagonist, the titular character Asterix, along with his friend Obelix, have various adventures. Yeah. Uh, the X suffix of both names echoes the name of Versagetorix, a historical Gaul chieftain. Oh, chieftain. so that. that chieftain. That, that, that's a chieftain. Or, uh, chieftain. Chieftain. Chief. Chieftain. Yeah, a chief tain. Um, so, <laughs> he was, of all the tains, he was the chief. Um, so maybe that implies... The chef is the guy who cooks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's cheap. Even, even, back in, even back in Gaul times, they were enthralled by celebrity chefs. <laughs> Master Chefton. Master Chefton. That was the most popular show. Top Chefton. That was quite good. Junior Master. <laughs> it's not funny the first time. Uh, in, uh, in many cases, the stories have them travel to various countries around the world, though other books are set around their village. For most of the history of the series, uh, settings in Gaul and abroad alternated with even-numbered volumes set abroad and odd-numbered volumes set in Gaul, oh, mostly in go. the village. Well, that's good. Home and away, basically. Yes. Home, yes. Doing home and away rounds. That's good to see if Asterix was like, you know, maybe it was better, you know, close to the village, yeah. easy access well, to the Tintin, ocean, he like, slept in his own bed. The reason why people love Tintin is he played most of his games away from home. So. He was good away from He was good on home. the road. Yeah, okay. Um, the knock on Asterix is he couldn't travel. <laughs> and there was a lot of rumours that he was on the Magic Potion. <laughs> uh, the Asterix series is one of the most popular Franco-Belgian comics in the world. Did yeah, you know that. Yeah, because remember we did that episode about Belgian facts? <laughs> yeah. And we said they invented oh, Asterix, right. yeah. And then we also <laughs> said something, I completely misread the email, which is like, it's never been conquered. And there's like, no, we've been conquered heaps, dude. And all the Belgians emailed him to say, <laughs> We have been. We have been fucking ass raped. I'm being conquered as I write this email. <laughs> we're getting fruit chocked left, right, and center. I'm getting conquered. My brains are being conquered out right now. Uh, with the series being translated into over 100 languages. That's quite interesting. The fact that, like, when you know you were a child, you know, reading your Asterix, there was also a kid in you know Japan, or there was a kid in Germany, or whatever, who were all were like reading these Asterix, and they were sharing an experience with you, even though they were like millions of miles away from you in a complete different language. They were ex- sharing an experience. For any kids listening, it was like Call of Duty, <laughs> except you weren't playing a game that was hooked up to the internet with <laughs> multiplayers around the world. Yeah. You, you were reading in, a comic book. You weren't in an internet cafe in a mall in the middle of the day on a headset well, with your mates. Well, the ones we had friends were, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you and I are in our bedrooms reading Asterix. Oh, you think I'm a nerd? Well, you know, nerds hang out with friends at the mall talking to girls. Who stuff. are your friends? Uh, Asterix, Obelix, <laughs> Get a Fix. This old guy called Get a Fix. My parents call the police. He's been <laughs> hanging out with an old man giving him magic potion. Jesus juice. Uh, most popular in European countries. Asterix Do you think is, in Asterix's village, yep. uh, they had an age in which you could take the magic potion? There must have been like a legal drinking age for the a, legal, a legal potion age. Yeah, there'd be some parents because the it. big the big joke about Oblix. The reason he was so strong is he fell into a vat of magic potion when he was a baby, 
and that had made him eternally strong. You knew that, right? Nah, I mean, you know, yeah. Oblix. Oblix's thing was he was super strong yeah. all the time. He didn't take, need to take the magic potion, and that was a running joke. Is that every time Getafix was handing out the magic potion, he would sneak into the queue and try and get some, and Getafix would always be would always be like, "Now, now, Oblix." You fell into the magic potion when you're a baby. You don't get me. And he would walk away like kicking the dirt and stuff. Couldn't you just fucking smash the shit out of him? <laughs> Listen here, old man. Get a fix. If you don't want a doctor to get a fix your face after I smash it in, you'll give me some of that fucking potion. This should have been give me, one. you geriatric fuck. Should have been the one straight after Goskini died. <laughs> it's the first thing they did. He's turned Oblix, turn Oblix into Chopper. Oblix. Here, no magic potion. <laughs> No magic potion here. Listen, get a fix. What is the point of giving out magic potion if I'm just going to shoot you anyway? Where me is? Where me is? We got the Jewett. Magic's on back. Now give me some fucking magic potion. Uncle Chop Chop. <laughs> you know how they made live action versions of Asterix? They should do it. They should get Eric Banner back, get him back into chopper mode. And cast him as Obelix. Eric Banner is Obelix. <laughs> Chobelix. Chobelix. Yeah, no we, magic potion. We do a gritty reboot oh, of God. Asterix. <laughs> and we cast Eric Banner playing his Chopper character as Obelix. Chobelix. Chobelix. <laughs> that is fucking brilliant. All right. Uh, Asterix is less well known in the United States and Japan. Oh, so maybe I was wrong about those Japanese kids sitting there sharing our experience. Uh, the success of the series has led to the adaptation of several books into 13 films. 13 films. Eight animated and five live actors. Five live action? Yeah. Five live actors. <laughs> five with live actors, sorry. Oh. There have been a number of games based on the characters' theme park. Oh, there's a theme park. Yeah. Oh, where's the theme park? Is it France? Near Paris. Uh, park Asterix World a gun to Asterix can you imagine just like getting off the plane in Paris and they're like are oh, you going to go see the Eiffel Tower the Seine anything no 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 I'm going to the uh, Asterix Museum it's like, there's another place like that you know how the Phantom that comic book the Phantom yeah. uh, for people who don't know was, uh, they turned it to a movie with Billy Zane it's an Australian no, it's not. originally the Phantom isn't it no. or it was written in Australia for ages mm, or? I don't think so <laughs> it's a uh, it's, um, Are you going to look it up? Yeah, oh my really god, good. here we go. Look, I can't find any information to back up my <laughs> assertion that the Phantom was I think Australian. what it is, is the Phantom was very popular in Australia, where right. one of the which leads to my point. There's a country like Sweden, eight, don't get your fingers off the keyboard yet, you might have to look this up, but there's a country like Sweden or Switzerland where the Phantom is huge. Like yeah. Australia is quite big for the Phantom, but uh, there's a country like Switzerland or something that has, look up Phantom World and it's a Phantom theme park. Unbelievable. You are unbelievable. Right. You searched for that fact for like two minutes. Yep. I found it in 15 seconds. Well, you know what? You're better at a fucking useless school than me. Well <laughs> That's done. That's true. Bravo. Pat yourself on the back. Make yourself a fucking medal at your spare time <laughs> while you're practicing Googling fucking useless information quickly. I can't wait to fight you. I've got some motivation <laughs> suddenly. Uh, raise my fist, Will. Raise my fist. <laughs> 
Um, yes, no, there's a Phantom World in Stockholm. Okay. Yeah, so they're big fans of it. Of the... <laughs> well, probably worth looking up then. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go back to Asterix uh, because uh, I want to find out more about him. <laughs> Chobelix. And <laughs> Chobelix. Uh, okay, uh, prior, I'll give you some history. Prior to creating the Asterix series, Goskini and Udazo had Udazo, I'm not sure, had previously six, had success with their Umpapa, <laughs> which was published in the Tintin magazine. Holy shit. Oh my They're God. The breakaway it's a crossover. It's like the Avengers. Yeah, right. Did Asterix and Obelix ever have an adventure with Tintin? That would have been fucking good. I'm sure somewhere there's been some kind of tribute fan art kind of thing. Slash, that, slash, slash fiction. fiction. If somebody is, has written on the internet, Asterix, Obelix, and Tintin slash fiction. Please send it to us. Please. Or write it. Could someone please write us? Yeah. We'll publish it on we'll, the Facebook page. We'll read it. No, we'll read it oh, out we'll read it. Yeah. We'll okay. act it out. <laughs> All right. If anyone could send us... A script. A script. Slash fiction. Short. Make it a couple of minutes. Yeah. And based on an interaction between Tintin... And Asterix and Obelix, we will read it. Well, not just those three, but those two universes. Yep. So Snowy can be there, uh, the Thompson Twins, Get a Fix, Unhygienics. <laughs> I can sense a fish joke coming on. <laughs> but see, if someone wants to do that, like how long? Say like a, one, like a, one a page. page. I don't know. Like, you know, not, a, not a that scene. long. And the, like, you know, don't go for the easy filthy jokes. Like, you know, give it a I'll story do character. If they're really good. But like, you know, make it, it good. But if it's just like, I'll suck your dick, you suck my dick for like a page. I mean, that would be pretty funny. But we've already thought that one, so do something. <laughs> Geniuses. <laughs> Everyone was listening going, fuck, I was going to do was the, my... you suck your dick, I'll suck my dick. <laughs> you suck your dick, I'll <laughs> suck my dick. That's a whole different one. Oh my God, that's the sequel. <laughs> you suck your dick, I suck my dick. Asterix was originally serialized. <laughs> That should be like, you know, the Will Smith song that plays over the credits of the Chobelix film. You suck my dick, I suck your dick. I mean, no, I suck my dick, you suck your dick. Everybody's sucking my dick. That's what the song is called. Everybody's sucking my dick by Will Smith. Uh, okay, so it was originally uh, published in Pilot. Uh, the book was put together entitled, the first book, Asterix the Gaul. Uh, from then on, the books were released generally on a yearly basis. So you'd have to fucking wait around for a year. Imagine, people would be like Harry Potter style, be getting you know pretty excited for it every year. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, he's it changed from the original idea. Udazo's first sketches portrayed Asterix as a huge and strong traditional Gaulish warrior, but Goskini had a different picture in his mind. Charlie, there was friction from the start. A jive talking robot. Yeah. <laughs> I can't like, stand your ideas. Why is there not more robotics in Asterix? It should be a vagina made out of cheese. <laughs> I like your idea, but it's a little fault. A little wacky. Goskini had a different picture in his mind. He visualized Asterix as a shrewd, small sized warrior. Like an asterisk, a little star, a small little star. Yeah, exactly. Um, who would prefer intelligence over strength. That sounds yeah. like Will Anderson, if you ask me. <laughs> However, Adazo... <laughs> there's friction, man. 
It was fucking on from the minute that Goskini and Adazo got in a fucking room together. Like, it worked creatively, like the Beatles. Goskini, like, Adazo, fuck you! No, fuck you! <laughs> I don't know why I went fucking German. You knew that shit was going to go wrong. I, I don't know if it, I spit in your face! This may be a toe-fop back, but I'm pretty sure that probably Adazo eventually killed Goskini. <laughs> and took over When the did they start? Comic. What year is this? Uh, so, back in the day, 1959. Okay. When they first like were making this shit happen. Okay. So, uh, however, Adazo felt that the small-sized hero needed a strong but dim companion. So, essentially what's happened is, is Adazo's gone, I want a fucking, like, buff bloke who's just going to, like, fucking punch people up. And Goth Skinny's gone, I reckon he should be, like, a short, nuggety bloke who solves things with his intelligence. And then Adazo's gone, I just want a... (laughs) Big hot man, could I please get a big hot man in this? And and other, and Goskini's like, are you into bearish guys? And he's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> so um, yeah, Adazo felt the small size hero needed a strong but dim companion. To his, to strong which, but dim. Yeah, but to which is that got, a bad way to describe uh, like a date? Yeah, I mean, if you were if one on, of your girlfriends came around and said, I want to date the guy who's strong but dim. Mm. Oh, I wonder if she was saying it to be okay, but you wouldn't put it on your like. Facebook profile or strong but dim yeah some sort of dating thing I'm strong but dim <laughs> please send me Nigerian emails <laughs> uh, okay so then Goskini's like okay fair enough hence Obelix was born despite the growing popularity of Asterix with the readers the financial backing for Pilot ceased so the magazine's fucking gone under when Goskini died Adazo continued the series alone on the demand of the readers who implored him to continue. Plus, the Adazo did fucking always hated Goskin. <laughs> Please continue. I cannot eat my baguette. It tastes like cardboard. <laughs> he, would, he would actually have a rug made out of a stuffed Goskini so that he would like put his feet on while he wrote the new comics. He continued the series, but on a less frequent basis. I didn't even fucking put in. He was like, phone is in. Most critics and fans of the series. Who, <laughs> what fucking self-respecting critic is going? Look, the latest issue of Asterix is childish and... Well, between these two things on your... Like, if you're on some dating site and you see either I'm strong but dim or I'm an Asterix critic, which person are you going to date? Suddenly strong and dim seems like quite a good option, I would have thought. Uh, so, most critics and fans of the series prefer... Uh, Goskini's albums. <laughs> so this was the equivalent of like, what's a band that didn't, okay, you know what it is? It's Van Halen. So, uh, Goskini, who left? Udazo or Goskini? Well, Goskini died. Yeah, left. Yeah. Whatever. Pushed out. Uh, no, Goskini was um, uh, David Lee Roth and Udazo was Van Halen. When they were together, even though there was friction, they made amazing music. But then one of them left, died. <laughs> And then people said, you know, it's okay, but it's not the same. It doesn't rock quite as hard. Adazo created his own publishing company. <laughs> Thanks for completely ignoring my Van Halen analogy. No, I thought you'd said everything that... Yeah, you're going to comment said. on it? Excellent analogy, darling. <laughs> Move on. Move on. Adazo created his own publishing company, which <laughs> I just need you to know that you are Goskini and I'm Adazo. Like... In that, you know, you're bringing a lot of creative ideas to the table, but eventually I'm going to kill you. And I'm obsessed. And I'm going to keep doing this podcast. (laughs) 
Artizo created his own publishing company, which published every album drawn and written by Artizo alone since then. Uh, okay, publishing rights, blah, 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 blah. Um, although Artizo declared he didn't want anyone to continue the series after his death, oh, he was fucking happy to go on after fucking Ideas Man Goskinny fucking bit the big one. Did he really say that? Yeah. You can say that, I guess, as an artist. Yeah. Which no, one, is, no one told that to the parents of Jeff Buckley or Tupac. Their parents are just like, is there anything on that extra sketch? <laughs> Let's release that. We'll release the extra sketch. You know what he's saying? You know when I left you a message and he was in the background just yelling out? Yep, let, we'll remix that and release that. That'll be good. That's what, um, remember when the Beatles got back together and they released Freezer Bird and it was that single sort of vocal by John Lennon with the rest of them playing over the top and it was the worst I don't know if they uh, mixed it like that but it sounded like he was it was John Lennon was out in the park one day he was like fuck I've got a great idea for a song I don't have a pen or paper I'm just going to call the answering machine at home so I can remember when I get back and so he sings it through and that is the fucking tape that Freezer Bird is it's the worst recording ever he literally phoned it in um Although Arazo declared he didn't want anyone to continue after his death, which is similar to the request Herge, or Herge, or the Tintin guy, Tintin guy, uh, made. Herge. Herge? Is that what it is? Herge. I I think it's Herge. No, Herge. Is that his first name or his last name? Was he like Prince? Herge. He only needed one name, mate. He was fucking too big, Herge. Are you sure he only needed one name? Yep, Herge. Okay. Herge. Herge. The Herkenmeister. <laughs> Baby John Herges. Oh, Herge McHerge. Made regarding his adventures. Um, uh, but Artizo's attitude changed in December 2008. He sold his stake to someone else who took over the company. This has provoked a family row. Well, between the estate of Goskini and Artizo. No, no, a family route. Oh, but within the so within Udazos. the Odazo clown, clown, clan, clan. In a letter published to the French magazine Le Monde in two thousand and nine, Odazo's daughter Sylvie attacked her father's decision to sell the family publishing firm, the rights to produce new Asterix adventures after his death. She is reported as saying, "The co-creator of Asterix, France's comic strip hero, has betrayed the Gaulish warrior to the modern-day Roman." The men of industry and finance. Did someone? It's tell fucking her. Occupy Gaul, man. <laughs> Did someone tell her that Asterix is not a real person? <laughs> uh, Renee Goskini's daughter, Anne. Come on, Renee. Also gave her. That's kind of is that racist to compare the withholding the people withholding the rights to compare them to the modern day Romans? Like, if you're a Roman, you're like, hey, hey, it's a long time ago. We may be extinct, but I'm offended. <laughs> We may be a long dead civilization, but I'm offended. Uh, Rene Goskini's daughter Anne also gave her agreement to the continuation of the series and sold her rights at the same time. So Goskini's daughter was like, fucking, I'm in. Whatever. <laughs> She's. Uh, yeah. Goskini's daughter Anne, who does a lot of heroin, <laughs> sold it for $50 <laughs> and a warm bread roll. <laughs> she is reported to have said that Asterix has already had two lives. One during my father's lifetime. <coughs> the good one. <laughs> and one after it. Why not a third? Basically, she was saying, anyone could write this fucking shit like Utterzo. A few months later, Utterzo appointed three illustrators 
who've been his assistants for many years to continue the series. Banksy, Shepard Fairey. <laughs> and Tracy, what's her name? Tracy Allman. Oh. <laughs> Tracy Allman. Tracy Chapman. Tracy Emman. Is that her name? Cyclone Tracy. <laughs> Tracy Gold from Growing Pains. Dick Tracy. Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. <laughs> Is that all the famous Tracys? Don't think one more. Do you want me to Google famous Tracys? No. <laughs> Is that it for Asterix? Uh, well, I can give you more information if you want it. Is there an, there's an Asterix world, right? Yeah, there's Oh, we were going to find out if the names. This is the... Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, the main setting for the series is an unnamed coastal village in Amorica. Uh, Amorica? Uh, like the Black, the Black Crows album? <laughs> yeah. Amorica. A province of Gaul, modern France, in the year 50 BC. Okay. So, it's, it's not long since Jesus, basically. It's before, just... Before Jesus. BC before. Oh yeah, sorry. Yes, that's right. Yeah, fifty years before Jesus. AC BC. Yeah, it was a bit weird that they didn't actually mention Jesus at all. I was like it only happened quite recently. It never came up. No, you're right. Uh, fifty years before Jesus, uh, Julius Caesar has conquered nearly all of Gaul for the Roman Empire. The little Amorican village, however, has held out because the villagers can gain temporary superhuman strength by drinking a magic potion brewed by the local village druid, get a fix. Called, it's actually just methamphetamines. <laughs> it's making meth. Breaking bad. Asterix was breaking bad. Yeah. Get a fix is actually Walter White a fix. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a high school teacher. She went wrong. Asterix is like uh, 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 Jesse White. <laughs> the main protagonist in hero is Asterix, who because of shrewdness is usually entrusted with the most important affairs of the village. He's banging all the chicks. He's aided in his adventures by his rather fat and unintelligent friend. <laughs> fucking Obelix must be spewing about Wikipedia. Wikipedia has got no fucking time for Obelix. He was a fucking big-hearted trier who was always fucking there for Asterix. He, when he, know, fucking he was. It. He was cozy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just that big body. Everyone's you like, need in the game. He should be doing more, man. He's got all the natural attributes. <laughs> fucking Obelix overrated. He's lazy. It's, That's fucking problem. Yeah. it's work ethic. Yeah. It's work ethic. It's all fucking natural talent, mate. No fucking aptitude and skills. It's like natural talent. He's got a big heart, though. Albulix. Sell him to a vet when he's a kid. What? But that's natural talent, man. That's not natural talent. He couldn't fucking help that. He's it's just living with talent. what he has. That's chemical. If I fell into a vet of steroids <laughs> when you're a child, that's not your fault. And I'd become permanent. But would you? Would I still? If it was still in my system, if you could detect it in my system, and I had so much absorbed, they wouldn't let me compete in the Olympic games. I know, but Obelix. I think Obelix did compete in some sort of Olympic games they at did. one stage. Oh no, no, maybe. Well, I think maybe they didn't event, allow us to there? compete. No, Asterix competed. I think oh, Obelix right. wasn't allowed to compete because Getafix very morally <laughs> said, "You have too many advantages." I could be. You might need to Google <laughs> Asterix in the Olympic Games, but I'm pretty sure we're not going to do four. Hello, are we? <laughs> All right, hang on, wait. I'll, I'll, we'll get to it. We'll okay. see if we can get there. Uh, Obelix, uh, yeah, who, uh, who, because he fell into the Druid's cauldron of the potions. Baby has a permanent superhuman strength. Obelix is usually accompanied by uh, uh, dog- dogmatics. Dogmatics. Oh, dogmatics. His little dog. Yeah. Except for Asterix and Obelix, the names of the characters change with the language. Oh, there you go. See, for example, Obelix's dog's name. Dog dogmatics in is in English, but is Idafix in the original 
French edition. But what is that? I mean, how's his heaps more funny than that? Is Artifix mean Dugda in French? I don't know. Oh. Asterix and Obelix and sometimes other members of the village go on various adventures within the village, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they go to heaps of places. Right. Is that about the character names? Uh, yeah, that's about Oh, the that's not conclusive. I, I was saying that I thought all the characters had... Does it say many of the characters or just dogmatics? Well, it says that most of the other ones, except for Asterix and all Okay, so, that's, so I was right. They all have names that aren't puns. Now, geez, what I wanted to know was, in French, is it a pun? Yeah, it doesn't really... Oh, God, it's a mystery, Will. It is. <laughs> Does anyone... If there are any you know, Asterix critics and experts... We have listeners in France. Yeah. Listening to the, oh, okay, well, maybe there's some people in France. Can someone, who, maybe you, they get taught this at school. Yeah. <laughs> in which case, your education system needs a radical overhaul, France. <laughs> like, we were already turned off by your bad French accent. <laughs> now you offend us more by insulting our. So, what do you reckon? Okay, I'll run you through some of the titles and see. Oh, Asterix in the Olympic Games. Yeah. I'm even after, that's fine. Now, yeah, I, I'm, I'm suggesting that there is a scene or a conversation where Oblix isn't allowed to compete. Because Getafix says that it's unfair advantage. Oh, they made Asterix and the Olympic Games into a film. Oh, yeah, they have with uh, Letitia Castor. Asterix is a film. And Jared Depardieu. Adapted, yeah, okay, blah, blah. Uh, filmed in Spain, 78 million euro budget. How, how many is a euro in. Oh, hang on. It's 78 million euro budget. That's probably about $200,000. What? A hundred and eighty... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah two hundred thousand dollars. Okay. It's two hundred thousand... Uh, two hundred million budget. Okay, so it's two hundred million yeah, dollar budget. Yeah. Makes it one of the most expensive European movies ever. Yeah. Uh, the movie's been poorly received by critics. It's done well at several European box offices. <laughs> Topping charts in Poland, Spain and France. All right. Uh, Asterix and Obelix have to win the Olympic Games in order to prevent their friend, lovesick Stephanie Rousseau. Is this the, from the comic or the film? No, this is the film. Okay. Marry Princess Irina. Uh, Brutus uses every trick in the book to have his own team win the game and get rid of his father, Julius Caesar, in the process, but fails. The film is very loosely adapted from the original Asterix at the Olympic Games comic book. That's what we actually want to yeah. find. Okay. Yeah, so what's the plot of the comic book? All right. It was the 12th book in the series. Uh, the story satirizes performance-enhancing drug usage in sport. Is that what they say? <laughs> That's what, actually what it says. It, it says that? That's actually what it says. Fucking bang, did a ding, 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 That's okay. the Charlie is right banjo. All right. <laughs> 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 we'll put that on the app that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> we we'll we'll want to get it cleaning. We'll have the Charlie is always right app. Banjo okay. app. Okay, um, this is the plot. So, what year is this? That's pretty uh, fucking uh, early satire, is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, it, 1968. We, to to coincide with the Mexico City Olympics. There you go. So, it was even topical. All right. This is good. What was the muscular, arrogant Roman legionnaire called? Is it a pun of some kind? Yes. Is it an X? No, they written us because they're the Roman, us. like, oh, you yeah, know. Yeah, Latin. If you was an Australian, you would be called, is I'm muscular? a platypus. Is muscular. Yes. Yes. Uh, muscular? It's a, mus- it's a, mu- it's a muscle. Uh, uh, it's a name of a muscle. Pectoralis? Gluteus Maximus. Ah. Uh. A muscular, arrogant Roman legionnaire 
is chosen as one of Rome's representative at the upcoming Olympic Games in Greece. Yeah, I remember. He was like the Ivan Drago of the story. He was getting all... Like, Asterix turns up as the kind of, you know, rube, but he is the, the guy who's getting all the benefits, like working with the best trainers and the best facilities and stuff. So he's like the, the out-and-out favourite. I, I can't... I, I'm not sure what the pun is of his centurion, but I'll see if I can read it to you. Fuck uh, us, cuntus. <laughs> gay is us. What? No, gay us. Gaius, Gaius, <laughs> I feel like this might be a homophobic joke. Really? Gaius, very ambitious. Gaius, very ambitious. I think his centurion was an ambitious gay. I think they are doing... 1968, though. Yeah. Happy. Gaius, Happy ambitious. very ambitious. Happy, very ambitious, I think. His name is Gaius, very what ambitious. What does he look like? Well, it doesn't have a picture. Oh, God. But I think Gaius, very ambitious, is probably an effeminate, like, ambitious... Like, he is a... You know who he is? He's Smithers. <laughs> he is Smithers. Gaius, very ambitious, yeah, is right. Centurion. Hopes that the glory... He's very ambitious, one word. Uh, yeah, it's V-E-R-I-A-M-B-I-T-I-I-U-S. Okay, so very with an I, not a Y. Look, he does look like Danny DeVito, but that doesn't mean he can't be gay. Don't, don't stereotype homosexual people. No, you're the one who was saying you thought he was going to be like all flouncy and stuff. That is a good point, but we can't tell that from the image we found. Uh, Gay is very ambitious in Centurion, hopes that the glory that goes with Olympic victory will reflect well on him uh, as well. While training in the forest, Gluteus Maximus encounters Asterix and Obelix, who easily outdo him unintentionally. Uh, with the power of the magic potion and leave him demoralised. When a very ambitious asks vital statistics. Awesome. <laughs> so good. To see that Gluteus Maximus is left alone and after Getafix explains about the games, vital statistics decides that Gauls should enter as well. Very ambitious argues that they can't as Romans are the only non-Greeks allowed. Uh, really? So only the Greeks could complete the league? Yeah. People who do anal. That was a, if you do anal, you can compete. That was the rule. That's where the Olympic rings eventually originally came from. There were actually five anuses like lined up in that sort of same thing. And people were like, originally all the rings were brown. And, and it was anyone who would have anal sex. So um, the only non-Greeks allowed... Is that what the uh, five rings are for? Yeah. Or is there six? How many rings are there? Five. Well, that's also what I just said. You must have been reading something. <laughs> the only non-Greeks allowed. But Asterix rationalises that as Gaul is part of the Roman Empire, they are technically Romans, despite their resistance to Roman rule. Oh, he's got him on a technicality. See how Asterix is always about the... Shrewd, I believe the word was. You know, he doesn't have to fucking overpower people like fucking Obelix. Yeah. Asterix has got fucking footy smarts. Is shrewd a compliment? Yeah. I mean, it can be used, I think, negatively as shrewd. well. Shrewd. The origin of the word must be negative, what? right? Do you think the origin of the word, the just origin. because it's got shrew in it, it must be... Does that have not any relation to it? To shrewd. Well, isn't it shrew? I mean, I don't know if it does or it doesn't, but just because a word has something in it doesn't mean that it's the, you know... Like, it, does mushroom come from shrew as well? It's got shrew in it. <laughs> so, uh, the entire male population in the village go to Olympia, aboard yeah. a galley, which they have to do the rowing, where they meet uh, pirates again, where Asterix and Obelix register as athletes with Getafix as their coach, and the others all enjoy a holiday. When Gluteus Maximus and Very Ambitious discover the Gauls have come to compete, they are left hopeless. 
vital statistics telling them we're not stopping you entering. It's just that we're going to win. No comfort at all. And uh, this spreads to all the other Roman athletes. They give up training and spend all their time having elaborate parties. Uh, is that because of the reputation of the Gauls as well, yeah? Yeah, the yeah. Gauls are like, these are these like, you the know... The indomitable Gauls. Yeah, you can't get them, right? And so they're like, well, fuck this. Let's just fucking party on. Yeah. Let's just get on it. Yeah. Uh, which causes the Greek competitors to complain... Where's the vomitorium? <laughs> Point me to an orgy in a vomitorium. Which causes the Greek competitors to complain about their need for healthy diets. What? I don't know. Apparently the Greeks are fucking concerned about their diet. Probably should have been concerned about the economy, Greece. An Olympic judge ultimately warns the Romans that even if they think drinking will somehow make them better athletes, it will be held against them as all their artificial, all artificial stimulants are forbidden. Prompting very ambitious to tell him about the Gaul's magic potion. Oh, dobbed in, man. Fuck you, very ambitious. Our heroes are left gutted by the news that victory is not as certain as they expected, but Asterix heroically vows he will compete anyway. Charlie Clawson, the human internet. This is your moment to shine. Obelix, being permanently affected by the potion, now cannot compete. And anyway, doesn't quite get what's going on. Is that what they say? <laughs> yep. Well, he's strong, but dim. <laughs> Poor old fucking stupid Forrest Gump Obelix. <laughs> um, he thinks he's been dismissed just because he fell in the cauldron and spends the story wondering if telling the officials he fell into a regular pot or an amphora will change anything. What's an amphora? I don't know. That's a, that's a bit of a B plot. I don't think it's really important. Asterix sensibly only competing in the races and the Roman athletes are beaten... At every turn by the Greeks. You know, sorry, I just have a, a brainwave. Yeah. I know they've made live action version of Asterix, but yeah. you know who would be great as Asterix and Obelix? With a bit of CGI and stuff? Yeah. Would be Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Oh my God. That is, the rela- that is their relationship, their my comedy God. relationship, isn't it? So true. He is the kind of like moral, sort of shrewd one, and he's like the lovable, like. Big buffoon. Pretty much Shaun of the Dead could have been Asterix, Asterix of the Dead. Asterix of the Dead. Yeah. It's Asterix with zombies. Charlie, I've told you a million times, all we have to do to make it in Hollywood is go yeah. through movies Asterisk and then add That's right. with zombies on the end of it. Wow, shit. Karate Kid with zombies. Asterix with zombies. Yeah. Why are we giving away these ideas for free, Charlie? I don't know. But Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, right? Yeah. You if did? you guys are listening, Simon, Nick, or anyone knows Simon or Nick, pass it on. I just want to hang out with you. <laughs> I don't want any rights. Just let me hang out with you. It'll be cool. Um, okay, so uh, that would be an, an enormous that would be an enormous defection. Like that would be like Russell Lyon going to Frio would be them leaving the stable of Hergé mm. to then go and star in a live action version of Asterix. How angry would Spielberg and Peter Jackson be? You'd never fuck. You, you would. That would be career suicide. Fuck that man. They would have cornered the Franco-Belgian market. <laughs> that would they would own that market much like Hergé. And fucking Gaskini and fucking Arzo doing the old days. Kim Quisters. Yeah, fucking they rule that town, man. Um, okay, so Asterix competes in the races. The Romans are beaten by the Greeks, causing a dilemma to the Olympic officials. Although their victories prove what they believed all along, the Romans are decadent barbarians, too much success will affect badly on the country's reputation. Yeah, okay, well, you're doing well now, Greece, then. Uh, so they announce a special race just for the Romans and Asterix. 
After the announcement, Asterix and Genefix start talking very loudly about a cauldron of magic potion left in a prominent place. That night, the Romans get into a shed that isn't guarded at night and take the potion. Ah. It's a setup. It's a sting, man. They've been hoist on their own batard. <laughs> uh, the race begins and every Roman easily beats Asterix by several laps. <laughs> and the comic ends. Asterix is crucified. It was a rather dark turn for the normally lighthearted adventures of the pair. This is... This is not where I thought this story was going. 50 years BC. I mean, That's how the Romans learnt to crucify. I didn't think that Asterix <laughs> was going to fucking die at the end of this. It's like a fucking... M. Night, denied M. Night, Sh- M. Night Shyamalan fucking yeah, wrote you, this shit. You're thinking you're watching uh, the live-action Asterix film with Simon and Bigger Nick Frost, and then at the end, Simon Bigger gets crucified, you find out it was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> Asterix has been dead the whole time. Uh, okay, so... Uh, oh, oh, here's what happens. Getafix accuses them of having used magic potion. And when the Romans deny, Asterix sticks his tongue out at them. When the Romans return the gesture, it is revealed that Getafix added an extra ingredient to this particular patch of potion. And the Romans now have blue tongues from drinking it. Genius. They are disqualified. And Asterix is the winner. Because Getafix poisoned his opposition. (laughs) That's the moral of the story, kids. If you want to win uh, and you don't think you can win, the other people are better than you, poison them. Poison your competitors. It's the only way to get ahead. I'm Asterix, and that is my message. (laughs) The Gauls return home for their traditional banquet. Oh, that was always one of the best things, right? Yeah. Because you would look at it and go, I want to eat like an giant leg of boar. Yeah, not a leg. Like, Oblix would be eating the entire boar. Yeah. have its belly pressed up against his face. Yeah, no, that was the best part. And Kekonafix, uh, uh, the bard, would always be tied up to a tree in the corner of the of Oh, because his music was shit? Yeah, because he couldn't sing. Yeah. Uh, the Gauls return home for the traditional banquet and Getafix notice Asterix hasn't brought his palm of victory home. That's the thing he wears on his head, right? No, that's uh, his masturbation cream. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it palm of Quite often, he'll take a little magic potion and then just fucking go for gold. Asterix. Uh, Asterix explains he gave it to someone who needed it more. Who? Charlie. Who did Asterix give it to? Who needed it more than he did? In that situation? Yeah. So what are the characters that we've got? So you've got uh, Gludius Maximus, the Roman hero. Yep. You've got Gaius Ambitious. What's his name? Gaius Ambitious, Most Ambitious. What's his name? Gaius Very Ambitious. Gaius Very Ambitious. Uh, Obelix, um, Vital Statistics, Dogmatics. So he gave it to one of those guys? Yep. Who needed it most? Yep. Who needed it most? He gave him his super potion. No, his palm of victory. Oh, right. Uh, To um, Gladius Maximus. Yep. Whose apparent victory is shown to have pleased Julius Caesar greatly. Ah. So Is Gladius Maximus a real person? (laughs) Like, it was an Olympic Games like, at 50 BC that the Greeks held? And Is this a true story? Uh, Gladius Maximus, great news. Uh, Caesar has been very pleased with your uh, victory at the Games. As a reward, we're going to name a part of the human body after you. So um, we should wrap this up because the microphones are starting to, to fuck out. <laughs> to turn um, on us. We were going to do a question and answer one and we got to one question. Okay. So 
Is that serious? Yeah. Was that the fight line? Who would win in a fight? <laughs> so no one asked a question about Asterix? No. Well, should we do one more? <laughs> you know what's funny? Before we recorded this episode, Will said, oh, we should go back to those those tweets, the questions. And I was like, okay. And it's gone. I've got three. I'm like, ah, oh, is that going to be enough? <laughs> yep. Apparently three times more than we need. Uh, okay. Uh, well, I'll Pick go to the one, best one. I'll go to one more question. No, this, I'm not going to say this is the best one. I'm just going to say this was the next one down that we can answer. It's from Carlos Zalapa. Are you serious? Yeah. Carlos no, Zalapa. Do you know I know Carlos Zalapa? Oh, do you? You know that party I told you about with the uh, piñata? Oh, yeah. That was Carlos Zalapa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've heard about your party, Carlos Zalapa. And I've got to be honest with you, next time you have a fucking party, invite me to your party, Carlos Zalapa. I enjoyed the stories of that party. I felt, I literally felt a bit jealous. It was awesome. I felt worse than when you beat me in that fight. <laughs> I felt worse than that, that I'd missed that fucking party. It sounded awesome. I think it's hilarious that he's, he didn't email me. <laughs> Go on. Oh, well, he, this is on our Facebook okay. page. Uh, Carlos Zalapa has said this, uh, and this was from uh, before the uh, the Wikipedia shutdown. You know they shut down Wikipedia for a day? Yeah. As a protest. Uh, so it said, uh, Wikipedia plans to shut down for 24 hours in some sort of protest. So it begs the question, uh, what would happen if we lost a major site like Wikipedia for good? And I think the only answer that we could come up for that is this podcast would have gone for about three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we would have gone during the asterisk. Nah. Oh, well, let's move on then. <laughs> uh, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook. Um, uh, we have a Facebook site, which is where those questions are. And if you ask us other questions, we might get to one or two of them. Get your question up near the top because I didn't go through to find quality. I just actually just went to the first one I thought was worth answering. Um, we're also on Twitter, TweetFop. Um, uh, hit us up on the Facebook page though too and tell us, uh, you know, we're going to try to put out some merch or, you know, something. We're going to do something. We, we plan to do something. We've talked about it a lot. We're planning to do something. Tell us what that something should be. <laughs> what would you enjoy? At least tell us a Wikipedia page where we can look up what we should do because we don't know. Uh, we're also on Twitter. Yep. TweetFop. Uh, Tofop Tumblr, which is if you want kind of um, extended versions uh, of our conversations, like uh, you would see on Tofop Quotes, you go to Tofop Tumblr and it's like exchanges. So what you call them? Firefights. Verbal firefights about Batman and Back to the Future. Oh man, you said you were watching Back to the Future again. Yeah, I said yeah, that off mic because I thought maybe no. We shouldn't. No, go on. Oh no, I'm always up for some Back to the Future. You said you were watching Back to the Future again yeah. the other day. Did you have any new revelations about that film there's a back to the future question do you want me to do the back to the future question yeah sure all right <laughs> clinton beecher asks yeah. do, do you know clinton no you can go to a party with clinton no no okay uh clinton beecher asks who would you put in a gritty reboot nah Back to the Future. Oh, Back to the Future. Uh, I reckon Zac Efron. Zac Efron? He can act. It's and Marty McFly. Yeah, maybe a bit too old. You know who it would be. You know who they'd actually make it with if they remade that movie? Who? Fucking... Not Taylor Lautner. Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Justin Bieber would be Marty McFly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. In fact... I hate that we've even said these words because somewhere some studio executive 
has just woken up in a cold sweat that indicates to him he's about to buy a new gold car yeah. because he's just had the re- revelation of Justin Bieber, Bieber is. Yeah. B, B, T, T, F and B, Burr. Back to the... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a billion yeah. dollar idea. Yeah. I, I mean, you just all you'd need to do if you were trying to get the license for that, that, that franchise is just say, hey, look, we're not going to remake the film. Just let's use that name. We're just going to film Justin Bieber sitting on a rock for two hours. <laughs> it would still make $300 million. <gasps> You're going to get the curious people going, Back to the Future, Justin Bieber, what's that? And you're going to get the hardcore Bieber fans. Probably about like, you know, until word of mouth gets out, it's just Bieber on a rock. I think you could probably snag an extra $50 million on that. You're going to make $300 million anyway. If the, the, curious, mo- the curious or the foolhardy. <laughs> if, like, say a Justin Bieber movie was going to make $200 million. Mm-hmm. And then you found out, like from his teenage girl audience, yeah. you found out that the movie is just two hours of Justin Bieber sitting on a rock. But he looks good. Like he looks, you know, he's sitting there and he'll move around and like... Is he saying anything? No. Just quiet. But just, he's just sitting on a rock. Yeah. Like he might say something occasionally, but like it's not it's, as if it's, it's not to entertain. It's, it's not as if there's anyone else there. It's like the same thing he might say to himself. So you actually kind of see him. Maybe he's like flossing his teeth, checking his iPhone. Whatever he might do he's just while he's sat on a rock. Just on his iPhone. They've just left Justin Bieber there and said, Justin, yeah. all we want you to do is just be natural. Whatever you would do if you were just sitting around on a rock, you do that and we will film it. Yeah, so he's like, I've got to be here for two hours. Though. Yeah. Okay. And he can't move away from the rock what for he, two hours. What if he needs to take a piss or something? No. He can't? Can't. Can he piss on the rock? No, like, he can turn his back to the camera and piss away. Like, he can piss over the rock. He can stand on the rock and piss through the back of the rock. If they see the urine, <laughs> is that a problem? No, can't see the urine. All right. So all you'd see is Bieber essentially climbing onto How the rock. How big is the rock? How big do you want it to be? We don't really have much of else of a budget. Okay, so it's, <laughs> so, not, it's not like Air's rock. Like, it can be if you want. Now let's say it's... Uh, but I'm, no, I'd say it's a normal size rock. It's, it's a rock the size of your desk. Okay. All right. So sitting, all right. So you can go behind it and take your shit. <laughs> if you need to. And the director's like, Justin, uh, you knew for a few weeks that it was going to be a two-hour shoot. Could you have not made sure you didn't eat or drink anything prior to the... Maybe uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't shit or piss on the rock, but he just sits there. So how much money would that make? How much would that make? If the original movie made $200 million, I reckon it would make $80 million? I reckon it would make $120 million. <laughs> Sorry, I meant eighty million one hundred seventy-five thousand three hundred twenty-three dollars and fifty-two cents. <laughs> I felt my first answer wasn't specific enough. <laughs> now I reckon it makes eighty million. Just you know what I, I'm. I think that it brings in the art house crowd. Yeah, fucking. I'd much rather watch. Like I didn't see Bieber 3D or whatever that fucking movie was called. Oh, never say never. <laughs> which is the most fucking ridiculous title of all time because you say never twice in that fucking sentence so you like you can't say, never say never except for the two times I fucking said never wow man it's like holding up a mirror door mirror exactly <laughs> which paradise. is the second album mirror door mirror <laughs> <laughs> so okay I'm calling it time of yeah. death let's wind it up yeah. 
Um, yeah, so uh, you can check us out on all the social media. Have you got any uh, tours or anything? Yeah, I'm there? on tour. Um, I'm in Adelaide. Um, so uh, come and see me. Uh, Valerius is the first uh, dates of my uh, brand new tour. And then I'm in Brisbane uh, at the Powerhouse. And then I'm at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. There will be other dates in other cities later in the year. People hit me up on Facebook and ask, you know, uh, yeah, I'm coming to other places, but uh, later in the year. So they're the ones that are on sale. WillAnderson.com dot au if you want to come along and I, I I want to plug a couple other podcasts um yeah uh, I've I've been on um, a show called Battleship Pretension which Charlie like is just bored of me talking about <laughs> off air so I'm going to stop that but you should listen to that um if you like uh, particularly if you like movies it's just a, a, a nerdy movie podcast it's unreal and uh, Justin Hamilton's Can You Take This Photo Please and Walk in the Room of course um, which we love and is there anything that you've been listening to lately that you want to tell people about is there something that you like I just listen to the Tears of my city, and know that I should avenge it. <laughs> I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Will. <gasps>